Welcome to the Wisdom of the Womb podcast, your home for mind, body, and soul wellness for women. My name is Stephanie Adler. I'm a certified nutrition consultant, birth doula, and women's hormone and fertility expert. I've supported hundreds of women in having healthy cycles, healthy babies, and building a balanced foundation in their bodies and minds to set them up for a limitless life. Now it's your turn. I believe a woman reaches her full potential when she trusts the innate wisdom of her body and that those women change the world. So if you're wanting to achieve hormone harmony, have boundless energy, optimize your fertility, live a holistically healthy life, and learn how to love and trust your body to become the well woman you know you are meant to be, you're in the right place. Join me for weekly wisdom on topics such as holistic hormone and gut health, fertility, mindfulness, birth, pregnancy, and beyond, and leave with actionable steps towards well womanhood. Thanks for pressing play today. I'm so excited for the magic we're going to create together. Let's dive in. Hello, Wisdom of the Womb podcast family. Y'all are in for such a treat today. I'm in for such a treat today because I get to be spending the next however long it takes us to talk about this amazing topic with my friend and acupuncturist, Lena Bardovi, who honestly played such a huge role in my healing journey at one point in my life and now has gone on to do amazing acupuncture things. And we really are so privileged to have her here today. So Lena is a licensed and board certified acupuncturist and a clinical herbalist who was born and raised in LA, California. That's where she still lives and has an amazing acupuncture practice. She was introduced to the world of Chinese medicine after her partner was diagnosed with brain cancer. Through this, she witnessed a beautiful integration of Western and Eastern care and became fascinated by the importance of ancient paradigms of health. She treats a wide variety of health concerns and specializes in women's health and fertility, OBS, one of the reasons we're having her here today, and digestive issues and fatigue slash stress-related disorders, which if you are a regular on this pod, you know all of these things go interwoven together, and I'm sure we're going to be talking about that today, but I'm just so excited to have her and her wisdom here to give us this perspective on Eastern medicine, acupuncture, fertility, the intersection of all of it. So, so good. So thank you for being here and welcome, Lena. Thank you so much for having me. I am so excited to have this conversation with you and be here. Yeah. So I know I just more formally introduced you, but why don't you just tell us, you know, and all the listeners a little bit about yourself, about your, your life and yeah, just who you are beyond the bio. (laughs) Yeah, totally. Um, Yeah. So I was born and raised in LA. That's where I currently am. And like you said, I have my practice here in Santa Monica. Um, And let's see, what else can I tell you? I have a husband and a little puppy. So that's been keeping me very busy when I'm not in the clinic. And um, yeah, I, I got into Chinese medicine. Oh gosh, let's see in 2015 now. Um, and like you said, kind of my partner was going through some health, pretty big health stuff. Um, and that led me to Chinese medicine, which was never really on my radar up until that point, you know, kind of as an alternative medicine as we call it, which I think is changing now, hopefully. Um, but it was just such a beautiful compliment to all of the Western care that he was getting. And it just 
fascinated me. The, it's a completely different lens that we look through the body in, in Chinese medicine. And it provided him with such um, relief that I was like, what is this? Um, and so that's kind of how I got introduced to Chinese medicine. I went to school for it almost immediately after learning about it and doing deep dives. And now it's become my life. Yeah. Like they say, the rest is history yeah. and I'm totally jumping ahead here and I'm sure we'll come back to it. Cause I definitely want to talk to you about food, but I remember seeing you and just, you know, starting my acupuncture journey when I was really working on my skin and having this moment of giving you a food journal and it being so interesting to me because I look at people's food journals all day, every day, but I look at them through one perspective, through one lens, and you're looking at them from another perspective and you're like, there's so much, there's too much heat here and so heat, much heat. <laughs> so much heat. And I crave that kind of stuff. And I still notice it. Like if I'm eating too much spicy food, I start to break out. And anyways, I'm totally jumping ahead, but just, yeah, like it's so interesting how you say the like this integration of East meets West, like it really illuminated something for me when I started seeing you for acupuncture that, you know, I consider what I do also complementary or alternative, you know, health care. And at the same time, like there's so many different ways to look at, at this. And when we start to bring them all in together, how much magic starts to happen when we really integrate it. Totally. Then both are great. I mean, we need, you know, we need both to have uh, as a robust of a healthcare system as we can. Um, and I think both have their place uh, for sure. And when we're treating more chronic things like you and I treat that have been, you know, going on in the body for a while, and it's such a product of lifestyle and diet and all of these things, that's where like what you do and what I do really, really shines. And it leave Western medicine tends to leave people a little bit in the dark, I find, and in those types of areas. And so it's amazing that we can then turn to something that has so much, you know, robust knowledge and wisdom and to, to help people feel better. Yeah, absolutely. I always say it's not rocket science. It's just forgotten. Yeah. You know, it's like this, this isn't, um, you know, what, what you and I preach, which in some ways is similar and in some ways is different. Right. And also are so complimentary, by the way, to anyone listening, anyone who I work with for fertility, I always recommend acupuncture and you'll learn a lot more about why today, but you know, it's, like, it's nothing rev like crazy revolutionary. It's just like, this is ancient wisdom that we get to come back to. And I love the unraveling of that. I think it's really special. So tell me a little bit, like, how does Eastern medicine think about fertility? Like, what is the connection between acupuncture and fertility? Because I think for a lot of people, it's really hard to, to understand this it. together. Yeah. Yes. Yeah, so I feel like to understand how we look at fertility, we kind of just need to take one little tiny step back and just talk about what Chinese medicine is like very brief intro, okay, uh, because that will help to like put it into context a little bit. Um, so Chinese medicine, for those who have no idea what Chinese medicine is, it's kind of like the umbrella term or umbrella category that acupuncture falls into. So Chinese medicine is really the theory about, you know, how the body works from obviously a more Eastern perspective, a Chinese perspective. Um, and it's very much a nature-based medicine. And the reason why I say that is because we look at the body the same way that we kind of look at how the world operates around us. So 
I always like to say, if you can picture yourself, you know, 2000, 3000 years ago, trying to understand this crazy planet that we live on and how we as humans operate, what they did was they looked at how the world around them worked. So like, what were the like qualities of the environment? Kind of like very early physics almost. And they said, okay, we are part of this world. Whatever's happening out there must also be happening inside of us. And so the way that we look in the, the way that we look at the body in Chinese medicine, we use terms like fire, water, cold, heat, dampness, dryness, these very ecological terms, um, because that's how we can begin to understand how the organ systems operate and how they relate to one another. So from a Chinese medicine perspective, when we're, when we're looking at fertility, um, we're really mostly focusing on the kidney system. And again, like, so that's going to be different for everyone because we're all very different people. So that's a, another beautiful thing about Chinese medicine is we look at the person and their specific constitution. So some, you know, 10 people could be coming into the clinic for treating fertility issues and they will have 10 different reasons as to why they're having these problems. And in Chinese medicine, we can differentiate between those 10 different things, very, very nuanced approach. So it's kind of hard to like give generals because everybody is so different, but if we're gonna do that for the sake of this podcast and for education and learning about it, we're really looking at the kidneys in Chinese medicine when we're treating fertility. Now, somebody could come in with like, you know, more digestive issues and we'd focus more on the spleen or more like hormonal imbalances and we'd look at the livers. But whenever we're treating fertility, we're almost always treating the kidneys. And so the way to think about the kidneys is they are kind of the root of the body. Mm. In Chinese medicine, they correspond to the water element. So they, they sit at the basin kind of of our body and they collect a lot of um, they're responsible for our fluid metabolism, things like that, but they go beyond just the Western uh, function. In Eastern medicine, they also house what we call our Jing. And this is a really hard concept to kind of translate, but Jing has been translated more or less into the word essence. Okay. And the way that you can kind of begin to understand this is it's kind of like our it's kind of like our DNA. It's our, our potential. It's, uh, houses like who we are in the world and like, you know, actuating our desires and our dreams, it's like our willpower. Um, and how this relates to fertility is it's what we inherit from our parents. And so when we have, um, what we can, we can call like Jing depletion almost is like when we've used up too much of our Jing, um, we tend to see a lot of fertility issues because it's kind of, it's like our battery pack almost of life. Um, and so in Chinese medicine, we're always looking to preserve Jing because the Jing that we come into the world with is what we get. We can nourish it through what we call postnatal Jing, which would be the air that we breathe and the food and drinks that we eat and consume that can help to preserve it and nourish it. Um, but really we want to not exhaust that reserve. So things like staying up too late, 
drinking a lot, like partying, you know, college years are really like hard on our jing. Um, so making sure that in this fertility preconception period, we're getting enough rest, we're getting good nutrients from our foods, and um, we're doing a lot of like good grounding nervous system exercises really help to like preserve that jing. So jing again is like a really hard concept um, to kind of grasp in five minutes, but that's definitely one of the areas that we focus on when we're looking at fertility. And then the other two areas are what we call yin and yang. And those are a little bit more familiar, I think, to people. We've, we've heard of yin and yang. Typically we say yin and yang, but the correct pronunciation, pronunciation is yang. Um, and so when we're looking at these two forces, we really wanna keep them in balance. So yin um, in, in the body is more of the like nourishing, fluids, lubricating, cooling energies. Um, Infertility, you can kind of just start to think about estrogen. You can think of the um, endometrial lining thickness. You can think of follicular fluid and cervical mucus quality um, and egg quantity. So those are all yin, yin things. Um, and when we're looking more at yang, yang is more like movement. It's masculine, it's heat warming. It's like the metabolism of our body. You can start to think of like our thyroid, our adrenals, more of the like, you know, what drives our, our met metabolism. Um, and then in fertility, it's kind of like the strength of our ovulation. Um, it's our egg quality. It's our progesterone levels. It's that like when the sperm meets the egg, it's that spark of life that begins. Um, and so people can come into the clinic for a yin deficiency or yang deficiency or both. And um, so whatever someone, you know, is presenting more as, then we would help to nourish that aspect and bring those two things back into balance. The classical way you can think of yin deficiency that I think is easiest to understand is like a menopausal woman. There's a lot of heat in the body because you have that deficiency of the cooling forces. So you get those hot flashes, those night sweats, insomnia, irritability, those are all very heat signs. Um, and it's because we're lacking those more cooling grounding forces. Whereas young deficiency would be the opposite. You'd see like a little bit more like lith lethargy, cold, you know, cold limbs or cold body, like always wanting to be under the covers, maybe some like swelling or, you know, water retention, um, maybe some like hypothyroid functioning. Those are all young deficiency signs. So we can get really kind of um, specific and, and what the clinical manifestation is that somebody's experiencing and then use herbs and acupuncture to kind of bring those two things back into balance, which should then um, enhance fertility. Amazing. I just love this, the language that it gives to these archetypes and to this energy that we see. And when you were talking about Jing deficiency, Mm -hmm. Um, I'm curious, like you said, like partying years are really hard on Jing. Did you give an archetype of like a classic, I mean, an avatar basically, you know, of like a woman yeah. who comes into your practice, who's like depleted with Jing. Cause I feel like I can see what I think that version is in my practice. And I'm curious if it lines up with yours. That's a great question. Yes. So I would say the first place my mind goes to is, okay. So as women, <laughs> And living in the world that we live in, 
we live in a very masculine world, you know, like a lot of um, society wants us to like push through and work hard and do all like go, go, go. And that is really hard on our jing. So the person that I think of when I think of somebody who might be a little bit jing deficient or depleted in, in jing would be that like woman who's working crazy hours, going to the gym, doing crazy intense workouts, like hit workouts all the time, drinking coffee first thing in the morning, you know, just that like go, go, go nervous system never gets to just like chill. Um, that is going to be brutal on your jing. Okay. That totally matched what I thought too. Yeah. Cause yeah. I think that it is like the way that I, and it makes so much sense. I mean, and it's also connected. Like I think about that a lot as for adrenals. And one of the things that I love to speak about, and I just think is so understated is, you know, a lot of these times, a lot of times that same archetype, that same avatar will come to me and also her libido's low. And it's like mm-hmm. the way that I like to explain it is like, well, <laughs> you, in order to birth a baby, like, first of all, our, your primal body doesn't know about epidurals and C-sections and whatever. Like it just is like thinking about fertility in this way, where it's like, you're going to need a lot of adrenaline to push that baby. And if you have depleted your adrenals, right. And it's challenging for you to draw on that when you need it, because you're just constantly using it for like, I have a orange theory membership and I work 80 hour weeks and I'm just like running on caffeine, et cetera. Your body's like, this is not going to work. Like you're not going to be able to push this baby out and I'm going to protect you. And so we'll oftentimes see like women who are struggling with libido in that case, which also is a sign to me of like what I would call that or what I guess sometimes can be called like jing deficiency or jing depletion. Um, but like, I really think of as like an adrenal issue and we know the adrenals are connected to the kidneys. And so it's just also fun how it all works together, but I love that language. Yeah. And I feel like probably a lot of women listening to this will resonate. Yeah, totally. And you can have, you know, like one or multiple of these. So oftentimes like what you're talking about that, like adrenal kind of fatigue, almost like just like overdrive, um, also impacts yang deficiency from a standpoint. So you can be like both jing deficient and yang depleted. Um, so yeah, yeah. And so when you have clients that come into your practice that want to support their fertility, maybe they're actively trying to get pregnant or maybe their cycles are just, you know, all over the place right now. And it's something that they're thinking about for the future. How do you see herbs and acupuncture actually creating change and benefiting these people? Like, what is it about the actual practice? Yeah. So like you said, it's oftentimes people are coming in to regulate their hormones even before they're thinking about getting pregnant or at the same time, maybe they're like, shoot, I just got off the pill. And, you know, I thought, you know, we'd start trying right now, but things aren't cycling properly, you know? So it's definitely, um, they're obviously very linked hormonal issues and fertility issues. Um, but the first place that we like to start when we're treating fertility is a, getting your cycles regulated. So that's like the first thing, if they're not regular, if they are then, and again, everybody's different. So it would be kind of like, we would do a whole deep dive intake on what's going on for you specifically, but generally speaking, we would want to nourish blood. We would want to look at the kidneys. And then we would also want to create a very like nice, cozy, warm environment for a baby. Um, and so with acupuncture, specifically, there are points that we would use to kind of like help the body 
nourish blood and chi. Cause like, as you said, like pregnancy and childbirth is a really, really intense experience on the body. And so going into that, we want to make sure that we have really robust levels of blood and chi to support that, um, experience. So we would nourish blood and chi with, with acupuncture, um, and herbs as well, and also food. Um, so those are kind of the big three things we would do needles. We would do herbal medicine to help nourish blood, maybe nourish chi. Maybe we want to hyper-focus more on the kidneys. Maybe we want to hyper-focus more on digestion because that's also plays a really pivotal role. Um, and then we would want to introduce some warming herbs, most likely, unless you are experiencing some heat in your body, like maybe you, um, but generally we would want to create a warm, cozy environment with herbs and then food we can go into. I mean, that's a whole thing and I'm sure you have a lot of, you know, thoughts on that too. But from a Chinese medicine perspective, we're really focusing on blood nourishing foods and warming foods. Yeah. Um, let's, yeah. let's totally talk more about diet. Okay. I, mean, I think it's so valuable and I have learned so much from you too, as a compliment, when I talk about like blood building foods with my clients, absolutely. When it comes to fertility. So yeah. Like how does Chinese traditional Chinese medicine approach diet when it comes to fertile bodies? Yes. So, um, so we have this concept of blood deficiency in Chinese medicine, which, uh, you can kind of think of as anemia you don't have to be anemic to be blood deficient, but that's just the easiest way to kind of understand what that means. And really, I mean, it is what it sounds like. It's a lack of blood. Um, and for women, we tend to be more blood deficient, um, just because we do lose blood every month. And so we have to replenish those reserves. And, um, so the best way to do that is with really, really nutrient dense foods. Organ meats are number one. For blood nourishing. Um, they're not the most tasty. <laughs> uh, and we've kind of You're lost. About, I love liver. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, some people do, you know, some people really do, but I think it's those people who were raised on it. It's so interesting. I found that all my patients, most of my patients are like, Oh, I gotta eat liver. Um, and some of them are like, Oh, I grew up eating liver. I love it. I could easily do that. Uh, but yeah, that used to be the norm, you know, up until very recently, the organ meats, you know, were used pretty frequently. Um, so yeah, so organ meats are just, you know, the, the best of the best that you could possibly eat for nourishing blood, nourishing chi, just really building up that like strong, robust energy in the body. That's going to help to carry a baby and nourish, nourish a baby. And then for childbirth. Um, and so if you're not into organ meats, there's, you know, supplements that you can take that are just like desiccated organ meats and pills. Uh, but red meat is also going to be really blood nourishing, obviously grass fed and, you know, good quality, but incorporating some more red meat into your diet. I find that a lot of women tend to stay away from red meat, um, for whatever reason, but if you can, and if that appeals to you, adding some more red meat into your diet, um, you're so nice. If it appeals to you with my clients, I'm like, you have to eat liver I know, <laughs> and you have to eat red meat. Like this is not a negotiation. <laughs> it's, it's hard, right? It's like, you want to foster like a, yeah, it's, it's hard, but yes, totally. it's, I mean, like if you can do it, do it. 
Absolutely. I'm, I was a vegetarian for eight years and I eat raw liver every morning now. So if I can do it, you can do it. <laughs> exactly. And I'll put a link in the show notes to something that a lot of my clients use as a gateway to eating more organ meats. There's, um, I, I like the brand force of nature, but there are yeah. other brands that do these blends too, where you can have, it's like 93%, you know, muscle meat, ground beef, and then 5% liver, 2% heart or something like that. And so of course we definitely want you getting more than that, but it is a really great place to start. And so I'll drop in the link to that in the show notes. If anyone's listening, who's like, okay, I'm ready to try liver, but I'm not ready to just like go hard on some pate or whatever that is. So, um, that's, I find a really like good stepping stone. Yes. Yes. I love, I love those blends. I do those ones a lot too. Um, and, but yeah, so then, and there are also, you know, some other foods that are a little bit less intense, definitely still eat those, but you can also do like bee pollen is really nutrient dense and, and good for chi. Um, royal jelly is also really excellent for, it's like a kidney yang tonic, which is really great. Um, what else? Shellfish, oysters, you know, all of, um, all of the good, like quality seafood, salmon, those nice omega-3s basically just like anything that's really really nutrient dense and you can google that you know you don't have to just um guess there's so many resources out there just nutrient density nutrient dense foods are really going to be a priority in building up blood um we want to avoid the salads and the smoothies those are just not going to serve us because they're really really cold this is another concept um in Chinese medicine, if you talk to literally any acupuncturist, they will tell you no smoothies, no salads, um, and no iced beverages if you're trying to conceive or if you are pregnant. Um, because we, again, want to create a very warm, uh, environment for baby. And so, um, consuming things that are raw or cold are really harsh on our, our, our digestive systems and really hard for our body to actually, um, assimilate. So, nourishing like warm cooked stews and soups are kind of what you want to think about. Um, ginger tea is really great. You know, just anything that's kind of like warm and cozy, that's more what we want to tend to, to, to eat as opposed to raw cold foods. Yeah. It's so interesting that you say that. I, I mean, know that for fertility very much so. And early pregnancy. I've always preached that as well, but it was just such an interesting experience for me while I was pregnant. I currently still am. Um, we'll see when this podcast comes out, if that is still the case, but yeah. Um, but, and I found that I actually like craved cooler, like I'm such a, you know, this about me. Um, so anyone listening, I like, am a weirdo who loves heat and like also has way too much heat in my body. And like, for whatever reason, it's like, the balancing things don't feel as good for me. Like I just really want more and more of the heat, but during pregnancy, I found I was drinking more smoothies and like wanting more cold things and salads on the side of my meals, like more than ever. And because it was like the first time in my life after the first trimester that I wasn't like cycle sinking, you know, in a really long time, I was, I felt so much freedom to like, just give into that. I was like, great. I can have as many smoothies as I want. Yes, no, totally. And it's so interesting that you say that because that actually is a fairly common experience. And it's because pregnancy is such a young, your body goes into such a young state, which if you can remember, it's like that heat action, like 
very like hot state. And so you can actually technically tolerate more cooling foods when you are pregnant because you're in that hyper young state. So in the, in the concept, like preconception time, we definitely want to avoid and like do more warming. But once you kind of transition, like you said, like into that, like second trimester, it's like your body just like kicks into gear and you can tolerate a little bit more of those like cooling foods. Okay. Yeah. That's felt so true for me. And I know, I mean, I also know Chinese medicine has so much to say about postpartum, but that's something that we're being incredibly mindful about, uh, going into this, you know, next phase is really like, we hired a chef. I like gave them the first 40 days. I was like, we have to have all these really warming foods in terms of actual temperature and cooked, but also in terms of spices, because it is like kind of coming back to and returning. And you probably can speak more to that. So if you actually, I'm curious if you have a perspective on after pregnancy. Totally. I, I think it's super important to talk about as part of the like fertility conversation, because it can say it sets you up for your next pregnancy, if that's what you want. Mm -hmm. Um, and honestly for your health, for the rest of your life. I mean, in Chinese medicine, the postpartum time is one of the most important times of a woman's life, like hands down. And it, like you said, it's called the golden month, the first 40 days. It in Chinese, it's like, Zuo ye zi, which translates to the sitting the month. So literally you are not supposed to do anything for 40 days. You're, you know, <laughs> in our modern world, we've kind of moved away from this. And so it's, you know, do it to as best as you can. But if you think about it in terms of like ancestrally, our family members, our community was around for us to cook for us, to clean for us, to tend to us. The, the first 40 days in Chinese medicine, it was really about the mother and the father bonding with the baby. And that's it, resting and bonding. That's all you should be thinking about. And if you are fortunate enough to kind of set yourself up for that, that's amazing. If, you know, if you struggle to have that support, if maybe family's not around or finances are tight, there are still things that you can do. Um, like batch cooking, just a bunch of bone broth or stews to keep in your freezer before you give birth so that you have like easy to cook nourishing meals for after. So you don't have to think about it. Um, is a really good way to do it. But basically, uh, birth, pregnancy and birth, as we've kind of said before, is a really intense process on the body. You are giving and giving and giving and giving all of your nutrients to your little one. And then in childbirth, you're losing a lot and you're a very open vessel is kind of what we say. You're like, you, you were a portal from one world to another. And once you've given birth, that portal is still very much open. And in Chinese medicine, your meridians are very susceptible to what we say cold and wind. So you, that's kind of why the warming foods um, are so, so important in the postpartum time, because you need to refill your meridians with blood and chi so that cold can't invade. Um, in Chinese medicine, they say that if if you do the first 40 days um you can actually like heal yourself of any past health concerns that were like plaguing you up until that point and if you don't do the first 40 days 
you can potentially do a lot of harm to yourself going forward. So it really, like, I cannot overemphasize, like, how important this time period really is. Um, and it's a beautiful practice. I mean, you've just gone through this incredible experience and you have this new life. How wonderful would it be to be able to gift yourself the opportunity of just bonding and resting after all of that? Um, and so again, in the modern world, you know, we, we kind of are, are like, oh, wow, she snapped back so quick. Or, you know, we kind of we use this language that's just like not the most healthy sometimes. Um, and so as much as you can kind of like deprogram that and really just allow yourself to, to rest and bond, the better you will feel moving forward and the better you'll be able to support your new family um, and any new new life that you want to bring into the world after that um oh god there was one other thing that i wanted to say about that that i am forgetting but basically food wise yeah you just want to focus on again like those really really warm nourishing foods ghee is also a really great thing to incorporate congee is a really another great easy food which is basically just like a rice porridge um yeah I, I really love this and I'm so glad we're talking about it. You know, as I've anecdotally through my work in the past couple of years, been working with people who are struggling to get pregnant with their second kid, something that I'm noticing more and more is the, I have to ask about the postpartum experience after baby number one. And I'm seeing so many patterns of, we go into this first pregnancy already a bit depleted, right? Like kind of what we were talking about. We, I have this like almost, uh, <laughs> like when I personify body, like I talk about it in this way where I'm like, okay, if I'm body and I'm like, I'm here to show up for you, Lena, you know? And then after like college, you're like, okay, that was really hard, but like I did it and we got through it. And then you're like, okay, getting a new job and then planning a super stressful wedding. And like all of these like big life events that we now consider the norm in the modern age that are just accompanied by the going and the going and the going. And then it's time to have a baby. And I did that for you. And then I had the baby. It was this really intense experience. Baby took so much of what they needed from me, but you didn't come back in and replenish it because so many women don't have the knowledge and education and the support to replenish postpartum. Maybe they do a meal train if they're lucky, you know, with friends who mean well, but are bringing over like, you know, yeah, it's made with canned refried beans and like canned enchilada sauce. Right. And like, they're just, it's a time where I feel like a lot of women rely on takeout and we're not replenishing properly. And then you have a toddler running around and you're going back to work and you're just like picking off of the waff frozen waffles that you made them for breakfast. And that's like what you call a meal and your body's like, okay, you know what? I love you. And I think the best thing for us is to replenish before we have another baby. But if you don't know how to read that, right. It's it creates this tension. And then that's where people get really frustrated. And it's like, well, why am I not able to get pregnant with my, you know, with a second kid? And it's something I'm seeing more and more frequently in my practice. And I'm, I'm really so excited that we're bringing awareness to this because I mean, I read somewhere that in some cultures, I don't know if it's specifically Chinese medicine, but that the first 40 days after birth set you up for the next 40 years of health. Yeah. And I, I mean, it just really resonated with me because I think that more and more, I'm just seeing the impacts of what modern 
life in the West and what this like modern perception of what is normal, quote unquote, to come back to after having a baby is failing women. Yes. And as you're speaking, I kind of remembered what I was going to say is like a lot of the reason that we see postpartum depression and anxiety is because we actually haven't allowed the mother to rest and nourish herself. Mm. And she's running on fumes. And of course that affects your mental health. I mean, the more that you can kind of to your point, like the first 40 days or, you know, set you up for the rest of the next 40 years. Um, if you don't allow yourself that time period, you're gonna, you're gonna, you set yourself up to maybe potentially deal with things like depression and anxiety, like forward. Um, and so it really, if it sounds like a lot, you know, to like, just sit at home for 40 days and not, you know, try and plan how to have meals and plan how to, who's going to cook and clean and all this, like, if you can prioritize it, it will pay you back 20 fold. Yeah. Something I've been doing, um, and we, we, just because food is such a central part of my identity in terms of like when it comes to healing and I know how important that is for me and my body. And I don't trust other people to cook for me in the way <laughs> Like I was joking with one of our friends asked us this weekend, if we had a meal train and I was like, we actually hired, uh, you know, I'm like particular about foods. So we actually hired like a postpartum meal service to come and said, and he was like, oh, you mean you don't want some like random, one of Danny's friends bringing you a gluten dairy full <laughs> lasagna, you know, like, like yeah. I just got a kick out of it. It was like, kind of, yeah. You know, like, and another one of my girlfriends was like, you know, before my belly blessing was like, I was going to ask all of you to like bring a meal and you know, that could go in the freezer, but I thought it maybe wasn't enough time for you to get like the grass fed seed <laughs> oil for me. <laughs> so, yeah. but, but what, one thing we have been doing in addition to hiring that service is, I mean, last night I made a, a butter chicken, you know, with a cashew cream sauce and we just serve, we just froze a Mason, you know, a large Mason jar of it and stuck that in the freezer, labeled it. We've done that with chili, like, you know, over the past several weeks, anything we've been making for dinner that would freeze well and intentionally making things that would freeze well, just make more of it. Right. And so from 22 weeks pregnant, whenever you cook dinner, you make an extra serving or an extra two servings and stick it in the freezer. You'll be totally set up. Totally. Yeah. And that's a great way to do it. If you don't have family around or if you can't afford that care. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, something that I'm really just taking away from this portion of the conversation is something that, I mean, I talk about it in fertility freedom Academy all the time. Like this idea of the, I talk about this idea of the pre-mester or like the pregnancy promotion, right? Like the, the trimester before you get pregnant, really building up your reserves or like the pregnancy. I think about it as like the hardest job your body's ever going to do you work up to it, right? Like you get the pregnancy promotion, like you put in the work and then you get promoted to like the art of being pregnant and you get promoted to the art of being a parent. And so if you're listening to this and you're not yet pregnant and like, this feels really far away, just trust that the work actually starts now. Yeah. Like the more you set yourself ahead of time, ahead of time, the more your pregnancy will feel supported, the more your postpartum will feel supported. And like, that's, I think where practitioners like you and me really can look at this, zoom out big picture, as opposed to like, you know, a fertility doctor whose job is to get you pregnant. And then the OBGYN whose like job is to get you 
having a birth baby. And then the, you know, it's like very isolated as opposed to like, well, let's look at you as a person, as a parent, as this journey and how do we support you and baby throughout all of it? And coming back to those nutrient dense foods to balancing in your body, which it sounds like you can, you know, absolutely do through herbs and acupuncture. I'm kind of curious, like what home practices do you recommend for your clients to like bring that Eastern medicine home with them when they're not in the clinic? Yeah, that's a really good question. So we've talked a lot about the concept of warmth. Um, And so one of the like easiest things that you can do is to keep your feet and your lower back warm. So always wearing socks around the house, never stepping on like cold tile floors. The kidney meridian begins at the sole of your feet. So we always want to keep that warm. Sounds a little woo-woo, but it actually (laughs) makes a really big difference. Um, So keeping the low back covered, no crop tops in winter, you know, nothing like that. Um, The other other things that you can do. um, So from an herbal medicine standpoint, I'd love to just like rattle off a couple herbs, but it's so, we're so um, personalized and specific the way that we work with herbs in Chinese medicine. So it's like, one herb might be great for one person, but not for another. Um, but I do love herbal infusions um, during this time when you're kind of in the preparation mode. Cause like you said, um, we're really focusing on like building up reserves. And so herbal infusion wise, um, you could do a nice like nettle, alfalfa, red raspberry leaf infusion. Those are all really blood um, nourishing herbs and especially for the uterus. Um, so like I do, I do those every morning just regardless, because like I said, I was vegetarian for eight years. So I kind of did a number on myself in terms of blood deficiency. I'm still recovering from it actually, even though I've been eating meat for like eight years almost now. Um, but yeah, so herbal infusions are a really great way to nourish, um, nourish reserves what else from a Chinese medicine perspective? Um, this is, this one is, I like to talk about it because it's not always talked about. And I think it is kind of important is the concept of protecting the heart. Um, and this also comes into play into like the first trimester, especially, um, but that preconception, you know, when you're kind of starting to begin to think about having a baby and then into your first trimester, there's a meridian called the Baumai that runs from the heart to the uterus. And so the, the heart and the uterus have a really, really important connection in Chinese medicine. And oftentimes, you know, as soon as you get pregnant or if you're, if you're in early stages of pregnancy or even your entire pregnancy, people want to tell you their birth story, right? Like, oh my God, I <laughs> <laughs> they want to tell you and that's great but sometimes you kind of have to protect your own energy and really check in with yourself um to see if that's what you want to hear because sometimes it can be pretty traumatic and um you want to make sure that your heart is not communicating that to your uterus you know and so whether it's birth stories that you hear, whether it's the news that you consume, whether it's the food that you consume, whatever the energy in the house around you. Like, I know that you've been doing meditations every morning, you know, with, with your baby. And I think that's such a beautiful practice from a Chinese medicine perspective of protecting your energy, um, and setting, 
setting that tone of a loving, calming environment um, really can go a long way, both in that like leading up to um, conception point and then from that first trimester is really when a lot of the um, things, the foundations are set. I mean, I think, you know, in West, from a Western medicine perspective, if there is a chromosomal abnormality, it happens within the first three months. And so that for those first three months are so sensitive. Um, and really just, you know, kind of just being mindful of, of that, of like, what energy do you want to invite into this chapter of your life? And how do you want to go into it? Um, so that's kind of more of an esoteric thing that you could do. Um, I love but really, that yeah. Yeah, I do. I mean, first of all, anyone listening who is interested more about the herbals, Lena does do virtual herbal consultations. And I would highly recommend, I think herbs are so healing, so amazing. Herbal infusions are something I do recommend for my clients. And so if you want to get more specific on your herbs, that's definitely something you should get in contact with Lena about. And speaking to the protecting the heart piece, I mean, we could do a whole other podcast about this, but I mean, I think that specifically like so much of our society has so much fear around birth because of the horror stories that they hear. And we don't realize how much that's internalized and how our bodies want to protect us, you know? And so if we don't do the job of protecting the heart of protecting the womb space of protecting the energy, like I I always think about the womb as an empty space, right? And like what happens with a drawer in your house that's empty, it gets filled, right? Like people are coming over quickly, like push the things in the empty drawer, it becomes the junk drawer. Right. And so unless you're intentional about like, this is the organized, this drawer, like it's going to be filled with the energy and the essence of everything around it. Um, and so I love that you brought that up because I think it's incredibly valuable. I also learned about the socks. That was a totally new learning for me. And I'm so excited to take that away. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Yes. That's like, if you talk to any acupuncturist, they'll tell you, no smoothies, no salads, and wear socks. <laughs> no smoothies, no salads, and yes, socks. Yes. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I love it. I mean, I think those are so valuable. And I, the takeaway, I mean, I even encourage, hi, puppy. I even encourage, um, like, you know, clients to use like a heating pad or something around their abdomen space for that heat piece. But I didn't know yes. about the feet. So that's so awesome. Okay. Well, my last question for you as we're kind of, and we've kind of alluded to this a little bit when we were talking about postpartum, when we were talking about jing depletion is the ways in which modern life can really contradict with a lot of what Chinese medicine seems to have at its core. And I feel like you do such a beautiful job when I see you sharing on social media, when I worked with you of really balancing the two of being like, okay, we live in a modern world. And also these are this, this ancient wisdom. And so I'm curious, like what specific areas do you see as the most contradictory between Chinese medicine and the modern world? And how do you either with yourself approach that balance or encourage your patients to find that balance? Mm, That's such a good question. Yeah. So I would say first and foremost, I mean, we touched on it a little bit is just like rest, (laughs) you know, slowing. Yeah, truly. I mean, we, the, the world that we live in as kind of, I mentioned before, it's, it's such a young world. It's like, go, go, go. Your success is so outward. You know, what are you doing with your life? Um, and we, we don't really prioritize just rest. And, um, that's a very yin practice, 
kind of bringing it back to yin and yang, which we always do in Chinese medicine, is we we've we live in a very yang world, and in order to keep the two things in balance, we need to to have some yin practices. You know, you can think of like a yin yoga class. It's a much more restorative, relaxing class, and so just nervous system wise. Um, you know, so many hormonal imbalances really just come down to the nervous system as I'm sure you see too, like you were talking about with adrenals and things like that, but, um, rest, I think it, it goes a long way and not feeling guilty about it, you know, allowing yourself to do it and enjoy it and know that the more you rest, the more you can do and the better you can show up in the world. So that's one. And that's one that I've come a long way with myself. Um, I feel like I'm finally now at a point in my life where I can rest guilt-free and I, I prioritize that and I actively, you know, block out time in my life for it. Um, what else is a good contradictory? Well, I mean, the smoothies and salads, I guess, is an easy one, especially living in LA. It's like, you know, all the, all the girls are doing the smoothies and salads and, and we don't, and we think we're doing it correctly right you know we think that's healthy that's what we've been taught we've been taught smoothies and salads are really really great but they can lead to a lot of hormonal issues and really a lot of gut issues I mean I can't even tell you the amount of people who can just change their gut health by eliminating raw vegetables it's wild um so I would say that's another one of just really prioritizing cooked things and warming things um, especially if you are dealing with any kind of digestive issues, bloating is, you know, if you're, if you are bloated, do not eat a smoothie or drink or do not eat a salad or drink a smoothie. Um, what else, what else? Um, and I, I guess the postpartum time as well. I mean, I know we talked about it at length, but like, it's just not a conversation that's had whatsoever in the Western world. Um, and so really kind of digging that, digging into that for yourself, um, it kind of goes hand in hand with the rest conversation if you're not pregnant right now. Um, but if you are kind of setting yourself up for that, um, really, really is important. Amazing. Uh this conversation has just felt so nourishing and also just so, um, I love to see the ways in which wisdom mirrors other alternatives. Yeah, the overlaps. Yeah. Yeah. You know, like I'm, I'm thinking about, I have an online course called Fertility Freedom Academy, where we really look at fertility holistically for anyone who wants to optimize their fertility. And when you're talking about rest, it's like, I feel like I can take this big exhale knowing that the lifestyle program, you know, that's inside mm -hmm. that program talks about like, well, actually for most people, unless you're obese, then moderate exercise is fine. But like, once we get into like past moderate exercise, it actually has a negative impact on yeah. our fertility. And like so many women are pushing themselves so hard with exercise and don't know that that might be harming their bodies actually more than they think. And like how important the rest is and sleep. And, and I'm just really seeing all these parallels and it makes me feel so one reassured because I always knew that, you know, Chinese medicine had so much wisdom when it came to this topic and also knowing like how, when we bring all of these modalities together, the nutrition, the lifestyle, the acupuncture, the herbs, 
the alignment, I mean, I also have like become a really big chiropractic fan since being mm, like, yes. like understanding the way that that impacts the nervous system. Like it's just really beautiful to see how we're all working together and how the more this information is out there, the better off womankind is going to be. So thank you for doing just this amazing part. How do people get in touch with you? Where do they find you to find more wisdom? Tell us, tell us where to get more Lena goodness. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. So my practice is called resonant healing. Um, and you can find me on Instagram at resonant.healing. Um, my website is resonant-healing.com. Those are probably the two best places to find me is either through Instagram or my website. Um, yeah. Yeah. Everyone should follow her on Instagram. She said, she said, first of all, her aesthetic is on point. Like I (laughs) take a few pointers from you on just like how beautiful everything is. So it's just easy on the eyes, but also she shares amazing recipes and just inspiration. And when the changing of the seasons and what that means for constitution, I mean, the information is so valuable and we'll drop your social and your website, um, in the show notes. And then, as I mentioned, she does do virtual consults as well for herbalism. And so if that's something you're interested in and she has time, she's a very busy girl, um, (laughs) but (laughs) you would be lucky to do it. Um, and it's really so amazing. And honestly, maybe I'll do one postpartum. That sounds like that would be so fun. I would love that. Yeah. I've been doing, you know, my like pregnancy infusions and everything, but I, and I have through the first 40 days, like some idea of like some to do, but I feel like it could be really cool to get your expertise there. Yeah, that would so, be We'll share all of that in the show notes. Um, I'm also going to pop fertility freedom Academy in there. If anyone's like, yeah, this is really interesting. I want to learn more. And I don't live in LA go see an acupuncturist local to you who specializes in fertility. And I talk so much about the traditional foods, the blood building and all of that in FFA. So that's a great place to find some wisdom too. And yeah, that's a really good point. I was going to say like find an acupuncturist that lives nearby you, or honestly, you can Google any of the things we talked about, like Jing tonics can, you know, Google Chinese medicine and fertility, and you'll find some really great resources. Yeah. Thank goodness for the internet. Um, yeah. Well, thank you for being here, Lena. This was so special. This was so lovely. And thanks everyone for tuning in to the wisdom of the womb podcast. We'll be back with more wisdom for and from our wombs very soon. Thank you.